Hey, Zaka family. Zaka is launching an exclusive membership platform to provide you with career development workshops, coaching, community, and so much more. Go to ZakaConnect.com and sign up to receive information on how to access early registration and perks. Hello, everybody. This is Paul Herman, the Prince of Motivation and host of Zaka Presents My Journey. We're creating this vulnerable and positive platform where you can get inspired and motivated from different leaders from our community. Today, our guest is Annie Jean-Baptiste, who is an author and also currently the Director of Product Inclusion and Equity at Google. Annie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh, come on. I'm even more excited to hear about your story. All right. And I want to I want to talk about the book and and all the things that you're doing currently and in your career journey. Um, But before we do that, you know, could you just give the listeners a little bit more understanding of your cultural background and where you grew up? Sure. So I am Haitian American. Um, Both my parents are from Haiti. I grew up on the East Coast in Boston, um, but I've lived all over the place, Boston, um, San Francisco, Madrid for a little bit, um, and now I'm back in Boston. Mm, Okay, Madrid and Boston, okay. And (laughs) you said both your parents are from Haiti. What part of Haiti? Um, From uh, Port-au-Prince. Okay, okay. Yes. Now, obviously, one of the things that uh, does come on our show, and some of our guests have been, well, a good amount of our guests have been from Haitian background, right? And Mm -hmm. a lot of them have spoke about like the Haitian resilience, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Could you just give the listeners a little bit more your perspective on the Haitian culture and what it means to you? Yeah, so I think um, Haitian culture kind of drives a lot of how I show up. Um, I think Haitian culture is very authentic. It's very warm. um, It's very persistent. um, Mm -hmm. And so I think all of those things have helped me kind of navigate and find my own path. Um, Yeah, I think that it's a very, like, human-first culture. um, And I think that that, you know, I, I didn't think a lot about it as I was kind of like navigating my career, but now kind of threading the needle backwards, it's very clear how much um, that kind of laid the foundation or groundwork um, Mm -hmm. for like how I show up, especially to show up in places that maybe weren't made with me or people like me in mind. Mm -hmm. And that Haitian culture as uh, from the previous guests, they always talk about the richness of it, like the fun and the family, the aspect of it. Is that Mm -hmm. a big thing for you as well? Yeah, totally. I feel like, um, Haitian parents, they're they're like, you know, you need you all you need is family, you know. So it's not like you're like going and having sleepovers all the time, which like I think as a kid, especially growing up in the US, you're probably sometimes you're kind of like, oh my God, like mm-hmm. <laughs> so strict. But like, I'm I'm super sure. grateful um uh-huh. for that upbringing because I think it just instilled kind of loyalty and uh, just a really big commitment to family. And I think as you get older, right, like everyone's getting older, grandparents, right, parents, et cetera. And so I think having all of that kind of quality time is something that I think as a kid you take for granted, but I'm so grateful for now. And I have a really big extended family and we get together all the time and, you know, have group chats and all that kind of stuff, which I, Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel really lucky to have that support system and knowing that there's so many people I can go to if I need help or I need a kick in the butt. But, you know, I just have so much support and I'm super Mm -hmm. grateful for that. And and from your your childhood growing up to now, like when did you start to develop a passion for like product inclusion and like why? Yeah. So, I mean, I think 
you know, if you'd asked me in high school or college if I would be doing this job, I would have said no, right? Because it didn't exist. But I think when you look at um, formative moments in my life, they, many of them have been shaped by either advocating for those who have been at the margins or being someone who was kind of historically marginalized, right? Or slighted or kind of excluded in some way. And so the first, one of the earliest um, memories I have is actually when my dad came, um, he's told me the story like a bunch of times, uh, when my dad came to the US, he was going um, and he needed to get his hair cut. And so he kind of went to the nearest barber shop um, and they, put a towel on his, a wet towel on his hair because they didn't understand the texture of his hair and didn't know how to cut it, right? Mm -hmm. And that may seem like, I think when he first told me that, I was kind of like, oh, okay, dad, right? But when I think about that, it's really powerful and really kind of heartbreaking, right? Like something that is seemingly... It's a run-of-the-mill everyday thing, right? Everyone has to cut their hair. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You walk into a, a place where they're, you know, professionals who should be able to do it and they don't even understand you, right? And and who you are and and how to kind of provide the service that they are again experts in providing. Um and so I think a lot about that and and other instances like that where it's clear that there is a certain default and the further you get from the default the less delightful or the less impactful the experience becomes. Um, and so I think that there have been multiple kind of moments like that in my life. And so when I started working, you know, I was always kind of really interested in diversity and inclusion. And I had a mentor and sponsor, Chris Gentile, who um, brought me in on this project that um, was called Accelerate with Google, which was really about getting historically marginalized businesses online and having a digital presence. And that was kind of my first like professional foray into this. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what drives me is that everyone wants to feel seen, right? Everyone wants to feel True. respected and validated. And that is, you know, with our partners, our pets, our products, right? And so how do we make sure that in developing and designing anything, right? It doesn't have to be a tech product. It's really anything you're creating. How do you think about those who most likely are going to be left out or who haven't kind of had a seat at the table and how do you make sure that you kind of move towards co-creation and collaboration to bring them in? So I think that kind of fundamental why for me is that everyone wants to feel seen. And so I, I try to bring that into kind of all aspects of my work. Mm -hmm. Now, was that something that you, you got from your educational journey? Like, did you know uh, what you wanted to be? Um, at that young age, when you got into your educational background? And then did you know that you wanted to be an author also like working in technology? No. Yeah. I think like when I was little, I wanted to be a pediatrician. Then I wanted to be a, an orca trainer, which is like the most random <laughs> job. I'm like obsessed with animals. So like, I definitely oh, like, wow. it's not, <laughs> yeah. I was like all up. over the place. The, yeah. the switch and, up is real. <laughs> exactly. So like, I, yeah, I'm all over the place, but I think, what is helpful about that is I think a lot of times people, you know, they'll ask you, what's your 10 year plan? Or like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think it's amazing for people that do know that, but I think for a lot of us, we don't know that. And right. And I think that that's okay. And so one of the things that has guided me has been not thinking about like, what is the exact career or role that I want, but more, what do I want to learn and how do I want to grow? What are the opportunities that start to give me butterflies? Because I'm like, Oh geez, like I can't do this. <laughs> right. Like, and start mm -hmm. to make me kind of push, push out of my comfort zone. And so I think that there are different ways 
ways that you can kind of assess what what growth looks like. But I would say don't feel the pressure to kind of put yourself in a box, right? Um, I remember probably like six, six or seven years ago, I was feeling... I guess like, I don't know if lost is the right word, but I was definitely kind of at this crossroads in my career where we were just kind of starting with this product inclusion and equity space, but it wasn't defined, right? There wasn't like a blueprint that I could look at and say like, oh, I'm going to like model this work after insert company here or this person. And I felt like a lot of, no, no one understood what it was, right? Because like we hadn't mm. created it yet. And so I was trying to figure out like, is this something I want to pursue knowing that it's like very ambiguous or should I kind of go on the path that I know I can be successful and that feels less risky. And I met with another mentor, John Maida, who's incredible and has is a designer in all different aspects. And he was just like, you know, you don't have to fit in a box. Like, so why are you trying to put yourself in a box, right? Like, it's okay that you have these different interests. It's okay that you feel very strongly about this area that maybe others don't get just yet. Like, that's okay. And I think that mm-hmm. having that validation was really formative for me that um, not everyone is going to have this very perfect linear path and that's okay. And a sure. lot of times sure. innovation comes from not having that path, right? Stepping out on faith, stepping out on intuition. Like, people are always like, oh, like, how did you know that this would become, yeah. you know, your yeah, role? You gotta, I didn't. You got to kind of have faith with it all as well, too. And obviously, yeah. like you said, you had a mentor, you had people kind of guiding you as, as well, um, giving you some of that insight to kind of help you make those right decisions. Now, after college, like, how did you, your career start? Like, what, um, what didn't you prepare for, you know? And what was yeah. like one of the, the lessons you learned um, in your experience? Yeah, so I um, I studied international relations and political science. Um, so again, not that similar to, to what Big I'm title. doing right now. Um, but I think it was it was helpful, and the reason why I chose that was because I felt it was very um, multidisciplinary, right, and interdisciplinary. So I was learning history, politics, economics, languages, right, and so I thought that it would be a helpful kind of background in whatever I wanted to do. Um, And then I started, you know, senior year looking at companies. And one of the things, again, when you don't know kind of what you want to be when you grow up, I think a a helpful framing can be, um, where do I want to grow? And so what I thought about were, what are brands that I really believe in and brands that I'm excited about and can get behind their mission, right? Because I think, you know, when you're leaving college, you know, 21, 22, 23, or whatever age you are, um, you're not going to get your dream role probably, right? Like you're not going to get the perfect title. Right. And so what I more looked at was what are companies where I really believe in their mission. And I'm excited by that, even if I'm not doing kind of my, you know, the ideal job or a job that directly aligns with what I've been studying. And so Google was one of those companies. Um, And so I started at Google um, on the kind of business side and advertising sales, Um, was doing that for four years, but all the while doing what we call 20% projects, which is essentially spending 20% of your time doing something that you're really passionate about, even if it's not your core role. Um, And so 
that is when I started that that pro- program I mentioned before, Accelerate with Google, mm-hmm. and started to think through how you bridge the digital divide for you know Black-owned, Latinx-owned, women-owned, LGBTQ-owned businesses, and really make sure that they have a digital presence. Because at that time, we found that they were less likely to have a website, you know, use analytics, use advertising, mm-hmm. and so they weren't even in the consideration set. So that was my kind of first foray at the intersection of business and diversity, and I was like hooked, you know. Uh, and so after a while there was a, a role that opened up on our, our diversity and an inclusion team. At the, that's what it was called at the time. I joined that and was a diversity business partner. So essentially creating the holistic strategy for DEI for different product areas. So areas like photos or Android. And through that, you got to know a bunch of the leaders that were kind of leading mm-hmm. these um, areas and started to say with a few people, uh, again, my one of my mentors, Chris, saying, what would this look like if we talked about inclusion and in product, right? And how do we expand how we talk about it? Because I think a lot of times when people talk about DEI, it's very internally focused, right? So you think about culture, you think about representation, you think about how to create an environment where everyone can thrive. And that is so important. And uh, when you're building something for someone else, right? You have to ask who else, right? Who else mm-hmm. needs to be yeah, in the room? Sure. Whose voices do we need to include? Who hasn't had a seat at the table? And so that's kind of where this work started. Um, it was kind of seen as an extension of kind of more traditional DEI work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, talk to me about this book, right? I know that um, very few of our guests have had books or written some books, right? So as an author, like what was the inspiration behind your book, uh, Building for Everyone? And what uh, do you expect the the audience to kind of take away from the book itself? Yeah, so Building for Everyone was really me trying to distill down in a way that is easily consumed what product inclusion and equity can look like, right? Again, it's a newer space. It's something that not, you know, especially when the book came out in 2020, many people were not from, they're like, what are you talking about, right? And so what I wanted to do was one, kind of help people understand the why, right? I think with anything you're doing, you want to be able to help people understand kind of the underlying value of it, whatever it is, right? So understanding why it was so important understanding and starting to have a cognitive shift around why DEI is something everyone should care about, right? I think a lot of times people talk about it and they kind of frame it as only kind of a moral case, right? They say like, oh, we're good people. We should think about this, right? Um, And that's true. And when you look at demographics shifting and shifting rapidly, right, um, in all around the world, when you look at who's coming online um, in the next, you know, several years, when you look at Gen Z who votes with their wallets and really want to align with brands that, um, or they spend money with brands that align with their values, right? It's also a hard business case as well, right? So I wanted to start that cognitive shift around balancing the human and the business case for inclusion. And then finally, I think really just like highlighting and shouting out teams that are already starting to think about what this looks like and doing that really authentically and organically, right? I think it's helpful when something is new to show what that looks like, right? People always say, show, don't tell. Uh, And so I wanted to kind of outline what the steps are, but then demonstrate that there are people doing this and doing this well and seeing the benefits both from the human and the business Mm -hmm. side. Now, when I want to kind of backtrack a little bit, I, you mentioned it as I think the young man's name was Christian. You said your mentor. 
Chris, yes. Oh, Chris, Chris, right? Yes. Uh, throughout your career, like who inspired you, like Chris? Uh, uh, and who did you look up to? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm inspired by so many <laughs> different people. Um, and so it comes from all different areas. And I think one of the things I always encourage my team too is like, to draw, to get outside of your day-to-day -day work because you can really draw inspiration from anywhere, right? Um, and you can, there's going to a conference, like I like to go to conferences that have nothing to do with my job because um, mm, okay. I'll get That's inspired, good. right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I read like architecture magazines or, you know, cooking, and you can get inspired from anything. So I think, you know, obviously my family, my parents um, have been such an inspiration to me, my younger brother as well. Um, I think I've had, you know, incredible mentors and sponsors, and I think it's important to kind of delineate between mentorship and sponsorship, um, because research shows that, um, people of color and women are less likely to get sponsored because people tend to sponsor those who are like them. Right. And so on the surface, mm -hmm. sometimes it seems like we are not as, as similar, but well, well, we kind of have one. to dig a little bit deeper. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and you can mm -hmm. find those connections, but sponsorship is important because sponsorship is specifically someone who is more senior to you advocating for you when you are not in the room. Right. So advocating for stretch opportunities, advocating for you to get a new role, advocating for you to um, get these the, other things. The that promotion, will help you raise. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so that's very different from mentorship, right? Mentorship can be peer based. It can be someone that is less, you know, more junior than you are, but it's about advice giving more so, right? Sponsorship is about someone putting their reputation on the line to get you further and to develop you, right? And so I think that it's important to have both. And I'm very grateful that I've had both, both inside and outside um, of my job. Um, but then also, yeah, I'm, I'm inspired by people who, take the risk to do something that people kind of don't get. Right. And so I, I love kind of, you know, game changers. I love rebels um, across all different <laughs> kind of stratospheres. Um, and so like this morning I was listening to this podcast, um, by this um, skateboarder, Rob Deerdick, right? Which is oh, like yeah, so, yeah. it seems so yeah. random, right? But it's like, you can get inspiration from yeah. anywhere. Yeah, um, and especially and so the, day of, the day of age right now that we're in, like the internet, you know, the, there's several different podcasts, there's interviews, there's news reports, there's so many ways of like tapping in to like totally. that inspiration. And, but you gotta, you gotta wanna be inspired. That's probably one of the biggest things right there. If you know, if you don't feel that like you want to get that inspiration, then it's like I'm just gonna live my life the way it is. But I like how you mentioned, and I, I hope the listeners gravitated to that when you said that you pick up things that are not even in your genre, not even your lane, and you get inspiration from that. You know, some people might only think this is my one lane, and I find inspiration right. here. But you're diving out, and you're going to places that are like so abstract. But I mean, let's go back to where you <laughs> originally when you were like, I want to do this when I was younger, but then you got to doing this, right? So it yeah. kind of gets you're a risk taker, and I like that. I like that about you. Um, now, what was like the big breakthrough for you in your career? Like, when did you realize that you were great at what you do? <laughs> uh, I mean, that I'm great at what I do. I, I, know do. I know you do a lot, but I'm saying uh, so something in there now. Come on now. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'll say I think I, it's a constant like work in progress. Right. And I, I'm constantly growing and learning and making mistakes and, and continuing to kind of be resilient and, and build muscle. But I think where I was like, oh, like there's something here is when. 
like purpose, passion, and paycheck aligned, right? Um, and so it's like, let's get the I, come on, right? Like I'm good at this. Um, I can grow in this. I believe in this and I can get paid for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that felt like such a, a blessing um, to be able to work every day, right. Not to say every day is perfect, but to be able to work where you're like, I care deeply about this, right. Uh, this is aligning with my personal kind of mission and vision. Um, I can see the impact in what I'm doing um, and I'm getting paid for it. And I think the last piece of that was, I could start to show up more authentically than I had been showing up. Right. Mm, And so I think for a lot of, you know, immigrants or children of immigrants, right. Like a lot of times in order to kind of protect us, there's like a certain way that you're supposed to show up. Right. So you're, Mm. (laughs) you need to be very kind of buttoned up. And so that was how I kind of showed up. I think also because, you know, I could be one of the few uh, black women or women or one of the younger people right in a room and all of those things intersect. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I think I was very highly aware of how I was perceived and I think it actually skewed. And I had another mentor and sponsor, Karen, who told me uh, one time and and my other friend was also in the meeting and and I had to present. And so, you know, I had basically memorized the presentation, right? Mm-hmm. I had bullet points. I had gone through them thousands of times and I had memorized this presentation. And when I got out, you know, they said, you were kind of like a robot in there. Like it was surprising to watch that because there was, it was like, it wasn't Annie. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had to think about that for a while. I was kind of like, Oh, like, what does that mean? Cause I thought it went really well. You know, I didn't make any mistakes. I had memorized everything. Like I was like, yes, I got this on lock. And so I had to also kind of take some time to find where the balance was. Like, of course you want to be prepared and buttoned up, but also I think when I realized I was good was when I could crack jokes, right? When I could bring my own lived experience mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. Um, when I could, your pers- yeah, your personality. Yeah, like I didn't have table. to code switch as much, right? As much. Um, and so that I think was another kind of like, I don't know, softer indicator that mm-hmm. I was like heading in the right direction. Okay. Well, Annie, I I like how you broke that down. That's just that's when you get to be your organic self. I mean, that's when you really feel like you're gonna make a change, can make a difference. You're not like wearing multiple hats to kind of please a lot of people. You are who you are, and people respect you for who you are. You've climbed up that ladder, and it's something I want to kind of let the listeners know, give them a little insight on this. Annie, like uh, to the listeners, Annie plays a very, very big part in Azaka's growth, right? Um, she's actually an advisor for Zaka and Annie, I think it's, it's only right that I actually like, um, can you share with us, like what motivated you to get involved with Zaka as a key advisor and how does like Zaka's mission of providing like a, a blueprint, um, and necessary for immigrants to, you know, to succeed in their professional lives align with what you're doing and the values and obviously your experience of navigating, like through the workplace. Yeah. So I think first, um, I think the team is incredible and I think what they're trying to do is, is so admirable. So, um, I was, yeah, really honored to even be asked to, you know, give my two cents here and there. Uh, I think more like zooming out a little bit in terms of why I think it's important. I think that there are unspoken rules, right. in in 
corporate America, but globally, right? When you're working in an organization that many times immigrants, we don't know, we don't know. Right. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. there may be unspoken things or things that are under the surface that you need to know to navigate and to thrive and succeed. And without having someone pull you aside and say, Ayo, like you should, da -da 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 -da, right. Like how <laughs> would you know? And there are other people who have been acclimated, right. They've had generations of people helping them or understanding the unspoken True. rules, understanding how to navigate right. right and so it's an unfair it, there's no it's much harder to kind of navigate it without kind of having that guidance right mm -hmm. and so i see zaka as you know a, a significant step to helping people understand kind of what some of those um kind of unspoken tips and best practices are um, how you can show up, how you can start to navigate these things and have a community, right? I think in, being in community is so important. I think one of the things that has helped me so much um, in my career is having a community of outside of my mentors and sponsors, which I, I think, you know, are all every race and gender that you could imagine having a, a very strong tight-knit community of black women right mm -hmm, in my mm -hmm. same industry so That's i can it. bounce ideas off of so they can be like girl what are you doing right like and that is really helpful and so um i see zaka as like an kind of like taking that and scaling it right where mm -hmm. you have this community you have all of these people who have kind of gone through certain things so you don't have to right um or they've seen blueprints of things that work and they can share that with you versus you having to struggle through and get it uh that's get true. figured out yourself because then you waste time that's right and possibly money as well too totally yeah well eddie thank you thank you thank you so much for just kind of sharing your insight your journey um, about your cultural background as well, too. I greatly appreciate you giving the listeners an, uh, um, a clear direction on one. I think mentorship is very important. You have a, a lot of them and all those individuals have kind of helped you out. You're an author, you're helping out, and obviously you're an advisor for Zaka, which is so helpful. I mean, it's an honor to have you a part of the team, and I'm looking forward to seeing all the great things that's going to come from it. You know, any well, last words for the listeners? No, thank you. You you uh, are a great podcast host, made me feel very comfortable. So thank you. Um, and <laughs> yeah, you. I just think like, you know, you're, everyone is more resilient than they know, but it, it takes a village, right? So lean on each other. Let's get um, it. And yeah, we're, we're going to change the world. So okay, thanks for having it. me. One podcast at a time. And I want to let the listeners know, if you want to hear more inspirational stories like Annie, please check us out on ZakaConnect.com. Follow our social at ZakaConnect and follow our feed Zaka wherever you listen to your podcasts.